Hello, may I welcome you to episode 74 of Moving Matters. I am your host, Colin Wynn. I hope Moving Matters will give you an insight to others working or have worked in this wonderful industry as I delve into their past, their present and their future. You will find a new episode of Moving Matters on the second and fourth Thursday of each month. In this episode, we discover how my guest began within the industry only five years ago. We discuss his challenges, what he would change from his moving past, his high points, what changes he would make to the industry, the advice he would give starting out again, his predictions for the next five years, and what he does outside of the workplace. And as always, we end moving matters with four, yes, four funny moving stories. An April Fool's prank, a famous Irish comedian, an attic incident, and the CEO of Hibernian Football Club. My guest this episode is David Cran, Managing Director of Mint Box Removals. Enjoy. Good afternoon, David. How are you this afternoon? Good afternoon, Colin. I'm doing really well, thanks. Welcome to Moving Matters. Can you tell everyone about yourself and the length of time within the industry? Yes. So... My name is David Cran, as mentioned. I have been in the industry for five years, give or take to the day. Just about started in 2018 when I was 28 years old. How I got into the industry, I remember being offshore. So so going back, I'll I'll start from the beginning and I'll, I'll finish off at the end and we can bring it into how I got into the industry, but I'll give you my background story first. So growing up, I actually moved around a lot from a young age. My dad was an engineer with a company called Ferranti, who were based in Edinburgh at the time. He was a mechanical engineer. This was back in the late 80s. Uh, And we lived in a little town called Dunlithgow with my two brothers and my mum. Now, my dad, he actually got a new job up in Aberdeen with the north of Scotland Water Authority. So when I was two, that was our first move. We moved from Lomlithgow up to Aberdeen for my dad's new job. And that's kind of when my memory, I started remembering things, everything from living in Aberdeen. And, and God knows how we moved up there, but it would have probably been something to do with my dad and granddad probably roped into moving us up there. I can't remember that, but the moves after that, I do remember. So in Aberdeen, when I turned just when I was six years old, my mum, she actually sadly passed away. and. Um, from it was it was a sort of tragic situation she passed with a uh, a brain tumor and me and my brothers and my dad were sort of left in a property in Aberdeen obviously a bit of a chaotic situation so we, we moved again in Aberdeen to another property with my dad and my two brothers and then yeah that, that was we're obviously got a period of time where it took us a while to find our feet my dad stayed with the North of Scotland Water Authority and then about three or four years later, met Sarah, who's now my stepmom, and she was from Edinburgh, and she worked in the finance industry in Edinburgh. So we moved from Aberdeen to Edinburgh. Now, this is a move I do recall, because my dad and his friend, Rufus, hired a budget van. <laughs> budget hire van. Of, of That brand name is forever in my head. <laughs> And we were roped in, me and my two brothers. So I would have been 11. Older brother would have been 12. Younger brother would have been nine. And we were the porters 
for that move. <laughs> yeah, the UK's worst supporters at that moment in time. <laughs> and youngest. And you're possibly the youngest. So we moved to Edinburgh at the weekend and growing up in Aberdeen, it was a sort of ground, it was bungalow type properties we lived in in Aberdeen. And I'd never really seen tenements. I didn't know there were second floor, third floor, fourth floor flats. That never really something I thought about because I've never been in them, never been up the stairs. So we moved to an area of Edinburgh called Fountain Bridge, Dundee Terrace. And it was to move in with my stepmom, Sarah, and she was on the fourth floor, two-bed flat, fourth floor Edinburgh tenement, sort of Victorian 1990s tenement, now spiral staircase. And this is the first time I'd ever seen anything like this. And I'll never forget carrying a box and a bag up the stairs. And I maybe got to the second flight. And I remember looking down at my younger brother, Robert, and he was just carrying a dictionary. And I remember thinking then, is that all you're carrying up the stairs? <laughs> you know, so that was, that was my first proper moving experience. <laughs> Aged 11, me and my two brothers, my dad and his friend Rufus moving us into this two-bed flat in Fountain Bridge with a higher van of our stuff. Yeah, that was, a, that was a pretty miserable experience back then. And again, I remember thinking, I wouldn't have to do this again. Little did I know that wouldn't be the last time I'd be moving <laughs> stuff up and down a, to a fourth floor flat in Edinburgh. So yeah, that was my, my upbringing. And then uh, moving to Edinburgh was fantastic for us. We went to good local schools. Uh, me and my brother settled in well. So left school. I got my grades to get into Maury House School of Education to do PE teaching. And I carried that out for three years. Had a great time. So although I, initially I wanted to join the Royal Marines straight from school, I got the grades to go to do PE teaching. So it was one of those situations. It was a fantastic opportunity. And my dad really said, look, you've got this opportunity. I know you want to join the Royal Marines now, but I think I was, I was 17 at the time. And he was like, look, go to uni. You'll grow up a little bit. I think in the back of his mind, he was probably thinking, by the time he finishes uni, he won't want to join the Royal Marines because he'll all bring girls <laughs> partying and what goes with it. And actually, funnily enough, if I didn't go to uni, I wouldn't have met my wife because Emily, my wife, oh, wow. was in my class at uni. So her surname's Bain, my surname's Cran. So we were paired for all our, all our work and all our studies and all of our group taskings. We were together for all of them. So that's how we really got... Not that she wanted anything to do with me. <laughs> All the way through uni, it wasn't until actually I'd left uni that I managed to get myself back in there. But um, <laughs> yeah, that's sweet. That's how I. So it was one of those sliding door situations. If I didn't go to uni, I wouldn't have met my wife. So there you go. But yeah, <laughs> left uni at the end of third year. Teaching wasn't for me. I finally joined the Royal Marines, which is what I, I always wanted to do, and I, I did that for just short of five years, which took me to 2016. Where when I was leaving, <laughs> Emily was basically giving me a bit of an ultimatum. She was like, "Look, I want to settle down, get married," and I was like, "Yeah, quite enjoy the Royal Marines, quite like to stay." So, long story short, left, put my notice in, and when I was leaving, a good friend of mine who'd already left, his sister was head of HR for an offshore company based out of Aberdeen. So, I ended up just kind of by being in the right place at the right time, found myself in a labouring position 
offshore with a company called ProSafe, which was a logistical support company for the, the fixed platforms in the North Sea. Right. And that role, so my role was a general assistant. It was a laboring position to some of the, the, the engineers in the engine room of the platform of the vessel. And actually, there was a lot of removal work. We always we kind of joke about it now, but me and the guy, Derek, I call him Des, who we were offshore together. We were both kind of, we called ourselves offshore janitors. You know, we were doing, <laughs> if we got told to get something from A to B, we'd go into a shipping container that had got taken on, we'd go find it, we'd move it to somewhere else, we'd mop floors, we'd do painting walls, outdoor stuff. Yeah, kind of did a lot of moving of stuff. We'd get heavy pumps that we'd need to get from the ground floor down to maybe a couple of floors down so we'd have to get rigging equipment and move stuff so yeah there was a little bit of removals experience there gained and then when we were offshore me and Des we'd always we'd always find ourselves on our breaks coming up with ideas to get ourselves home and ways to make money because we both left the marines and we both found ourselves offshore but ultimately we always wanted to be at home yeah and it was it was finding something that you could do at home that would keep you at home so you could see your family, see yeah. your friends, not miss out on anything. I think we'd gone for years on end with missing weddings, missing birthdays, missing Christmases, missing you know, big events that we were always coming up with ways of being at home and making money. And it was always ultimately gonna be in some sort of self-employed way because yeah. actually our CV was very hands-on it was very practical it was very and when you're looking at jobs you know I remember I remember being at home and looking on Indeed or looking at jobs and actually there wasn't much apart from security guard at Tesco's I was I was really struggling to come up with something that I could do so we used to talk about a bit of land his dad he did a bit of moving of stuff in offices and they always talked about getting storage and storing stuff and moving stuff about offices in Aberdeen for the offshore companies he reckoned that would be a winner so we planted the seed when we were offshore that maybe moving stuff was right up our street thinking about it from a distance that would be quite easy work well paid easy work little did I know how hard it would be (laughs) so I got home and actually the other thing that I really was into, obviously, Marines-related, I was really into my fitness. The thing I really wanted to do, was quite passionate about, was um, opening up a boutique gym, and I was going to call it Mintbox, Making Fitness Fresh. Right. And I was going to have a little studio for running fitness classes. I was going to have a little cafe. Again, this was just one of my schemes when I was offshore on the rig. This was one of my money-making schemes, and I was going to have a little boutique fitness studio, a little cafe, and it was going to be called Mintbox, making fitness fresh. I'd spoken to my neighbour at the time, the flat we lived in, Queen's Ferry. He, he owned a lot of premises in town, and he had this industrial shed up for lease. I, I remember speaking to him about it, and I talked him through this business plan, and he was really excited he was well on board with this idea he he seen me coming a mile off he was like yes I've got somebody interested in this shed so for a long time I was planning my business in this shed I was going to have all my fitness equipment gym flooring I was going to lease out all the equipment I was going to have gym memberships it was going to be great but long story short the the lease we had originally agreed when it came to pulling the trigger and putting down money on deposits for equipment coffee machines 
I'd spent money on architectural drawings for the gym layout, disabled toilets. I'd had it all factored in. He, he doubled the lease agreement. No. So we, I kind of was like, wow, that was a harsh. I'd, I'd, I'd spent about £6,000 on nothing. Wow. Trying to get this fitness gym started. But it was just a really expensive learning experience. And I remember thinking then, if I was to start a business, it needed to be something that I was in full control of. Yeah. So the problem with that gym idea with the gym layout in the cafe was that off the bat, the landlord was in control of me. Yeah. Yeah. Because he could fluctuate the rent, electricity, gas, rates, you know, from the outset. If I didn't have the memberships I needed, I remember looking at my spreadsheet and the members I needed, I needed like 200 members paying 80 pounds a month or something like that. You know, it was quite a unrealistic thing to achieve within three months because if you don't have that after three months you're out of business yeah so that's when i sat down and i was like the next business needs to be i need to be in full control and the beauty of the removals concept was buy a van park it up on the street and let's get this going let's advertise moving services and then from the offset i was in full control yeah the only thing I probably couldn't control at the time was maybe getting a parking ticket, <laughs> which are quite expensive in Edinburgh, by the way. Can anyone control that? No, not, not. <laughs> <laughs> not really. <laughs> so from then on, little jobs here and there, I actually, um, <laughs> I bought my first van and two weeks later, I got run over on a night out. <laughs> it was Halloween. I was out with the... Edinburgh Aki's Rugby Club and I came off Rose Street in Edinburgh and which is a pedestrian street and I stepped out onto the road and I got hit the side I hit the side of a taxi completely my fault I was I was pretty hammered I was well oiled <laughs> I oh, didn't feel dear. a thing and I remember trying to stand up and I couldn't stand up I'd, I'd smashed my knee my patella tendon was hanging out my kneecap was smashed to pieces and I remember waking up in the hospital freaking out because there was loads of people dressed up in Halloween costumes. And I'd obviously, <laughs> obviously put me on some sort of gas or some sort of painkiller, and I was, I was really freaking out. So my start to removals, I'd made even harder for myself by smashing up my kneecap on a night out on the piss. Yeah, yeah. So that, was, um, that put me out of work for four weeks. It got stitched up that night, operated on. They did a fantastic job knee brace on and actually if you go back if you go back to some of my first posts on social media i'm carrying out moves with my brace on wow because i had my overheads you know and at the time i were mortgaging stuff i I knew that i just had to get get straight back out and working that was just my learning curve of working for yourself it was i needed to get back to work quick so i'll always always say now to the guys that when i get new guys coming in now and we might have had a hard day i'll always say you know i'll say boys this isn't a hard day <laughs> back when i started <laughs> and i had one leg and we were going up and down stairs i always and i didn't really know what i was doing to a certain degree because i taught myself until i got guys into the company that knew what they were doing and skilled it took me a long time to find my feet and, and run a good decent removals outfit if you like which took a bit of time but yeah at the start i was really up against the wall in fact i remember a time there was a day where we got an inquiry in to move a sofa and I had casual labour helping me out at the time. One person I called upon to help me carry out a move. So I said yes. 
the person I'd lined up to help me couldn't help me. So my pregnant wife, Emily, of six months. So I had me no. with my brace, leg brace. And it was a sofa move from South Queensbury to, to Granton in Edinburgh. We, we laugh about it now still, because when you face challenges now, my wife yeah. always say to me, David, just you remember back to the day we moved that sofa bed, that Ikea sofa bed from South Queensbury to Granton. You with your buggered leg and me six months pregnant. <laughs> yeah, that was, a bad, that was another bad day. We got there, we got it done, but that, that was just an indicator of how, I guess, how up against the wall we were at the time. But yeah, we've progressed massively since then. But yeah, it was a hard start. I made it hard for myself, if you like. Absolutely. <laughs> there are easier ways to start a company. There's easier ways to begin, but yeah, that was us. Mint box removals. Fresh move, fresh start. That was it. The hard way. Funny looking back, now that we're five years down the line. <laughs> so can you tell everybody about your company and the services it offers? Yeah, of course. So we broke it down. Initially, when I started, I was a man in van. And I broke it down into you know moving services, which were our most common inquiry moving single items sofas moving beds we, we got involved with a little bit of clearance work early on but very quickly i realized i didn't want to be making my nice clean van dirty with garden waste or house waste <laughs> so very quickly i realized this isn't for me so we stuck to the clean side of moving services so we have fresh mint moving services we've got spare mint packing services now where we go in in advance of moving day and we pack everything up we label it all and prep it for moving which i think is the key to a stress-free move now like now, yeah. now that i've gone through all the different types of moving styles i always promote our packing services to customers wherever i can yep. because my, my selling point there will be look if you want to remove all the stress of moving day because it's a very stressful day please let us prep you like and yeah. by prepping i mean we'll pack it all we'll label it all will dismantle it and that will make the day go better. Yes, there's a cost to that, but it's it's well worth it than just booking us into movie, which can be quite last minute disjointed. And then we we offer storage mostly third party. So we use various storage facilities in Edinburgh. So we'll use Guardian, Lens Storage, Keep Safe Storage over in Dunfermline quite often put customers in, in touch with them, Jenner's Depository in, in central Edinburgh. So a mix of self-stores. But now that we're, we're going to the point we've got the truck and we can get the Trafalgar crate pallets on the side of the truck, yeah. we're going to be doing more palletized storage with the likes of Guardian yeah. in Roxburgh, which are around the corner, and various other companies nearby. That's the direction we want to go down the route of. And then, you know, later down the line far later down the line i don't want to push on ahead of different questions but i now know that palletized storage is the way i would like to go yeah so we've got we've currently got a, a yard space in kirkliston connie fox adventure center kirkliston where it's all gated off fenced off and we keep our we've got 21 tripper shipping containers oh yeah yeah so we, we bought those gradually as we grew so we had initially it was for the vehicles just it was funny we did, we, i used to keep my van on the high street in queen's ferry which is quite a popular place for people to visit the weekend so i would get inquiries like it's you know it's a billboard <laughs> isn't it it's a mobile billboard absolutely and 
Queen's Ferry is a very popular place for Fifers to come at the weekend. So I actually used to get a lot of inquiries from people from Fife. Really? Because it's the van. <laughs> and I, I, I don't get any inquiries from Fife anymore because my van's in the truck and <laughs> this yard uh, space in Kirkliston. So yeah, it's, it just shows you the power of the, the branding and the size of the van. It does definitely work. So yeah, we keep all the vehicles at our yard space at Connie Fox and Kirkliston, where we've got our shipping containers as well. So yeah, we do we do some storage there and we keep a lot of our materials there. So we've got two containers full of boxes, yeah. our tape, our paper, our export wrap, our bubble wrap, piano trolleys, all the kit we need, sack barrows, all the equipment we need is there. So that's our base, if you like, for our operations. That's where we meet in the morning and we shoot off from there, which, is, which has been a good progression for us. It's nice to have somewhere to meet at the start of the day and, and to finish off at the end of the day as well. So how many vehicles do you run, David? So we, we run three Luton vans, and this year we purchased a 16-ton DAF truck. We purchased that from Richard Webster at Tonks, and that has been, I'd say that's been the best thing I've bought. That's, uh, I was going to say the best thing we've bought in the, the business. That's probably been the best thing I've bought in my life, is the DAF truck. And what made you go to the truck? Um. So initially, I remember we so we had before we got the truck, we actually had five Luton vans. Yeah, and it it was getting to the point where when you're when you're sat back and you're looking at your business, you're like, yeah. When you've got more inquiries, you just scale up. So you get another van, or you get another shipping container, and you get more staff, and you could see how it was scalable. But yeah, but it got to the point where I was I was really struggling for drivers. That was one problem. It was obviously working well documented the payload, yeah. the, the carrying capacity of the vans. We were going to maybe four bed, five bed houses, and we were bringing four Luton vans with us. And I, I remember thinking then, because obviously the beauty of social media now and the power of seeing how other companies operate, I knew the direction we were going in. If we were to continue doing these four vans at a five bed house, it needed we needed to go down the route of a an HGV. It got quiet. I think it got quiet at the start of the year. It was, it was all the list trust stuff, wasn't it? So it was maybe three months after that stuff, it got really quiet, sort of February, March. And I remember going in to speak to Tommy McNee at Guardian, and we just kind of sat down and had a laugh and a chuckle over a coffee. And, you know, we kind of got a lot of removals nonsense off our chests. Tommy referred to this being a hamster on a hamster wheel, you know, you're busy, you're chasing your tail, you're yeah. busy, and you're like, oh, it's great, I'm busy, just keep on going, keep on going the way you are, where you are, and then it gets quiet, and then you sit back, and you're like, right, how you kind of have a bit of a sort of re-evaluation of how you're doing things, and how you can change things moving forward to maybe make your operation a little bit slicker, and he did say, get a truck. He said, look, get everything in place, get all your ducks in a row. Yeah make sure you've got everything in place and I think you should go down the route of getting a truck. And he was, he was right, he was bang on. Um, and we did. And I remember, I remember thinking, let's do it. Let's get everything in place and do it. And if it doesn't work, well, nothing ventured, nothing gained. And you know, worst case scenario, sell the truck to Tommy, Guardian. You can have another truck. It's a truck. big step to take, David. It was, it has been, but already we've had it since... So we've had it this whole summer so far, busy season, since about March, April, we've got it delivered from Richard. And it has been, oh, it's been so good. It's taken, removed 
for me, so like I always schedule the week ahead on the Saturday. So the week ahead, I'll plan the whole week. Yeah. And before where we had job, you know, we, maybe like there's moves and you're thinking, right, how many vans will I need to send to that? How many porters? You're giving you're, you're the cubic feet, the payload. Yeah. And a lot of the time you're, send, you're sending vans and it's a, you're gambling a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. always feel quite often with moves, and you know, people might agree with me. People might think, ah, what's that phrase they use in the the three point five ton army? It's the um, if it's on, it's gone. Exactly. You know that that, that mentality, yeah. and it's you know, there's a the truck. The beauty of the truck is pull up the the volume, the payload, and it for me running the business and being on the jobs as well because I drive the truck. It's just it's reduced my stress massively. Yeah. It's been the biggest thing for me is, is the reducing stress of running a removals business with that asset at your disposal. It's just yeah. made things so much less stressful. So my advice, my advice is 100% to other companies that are running 3.5 ton vans. For, for us, it has been extremely worthwhile. It's been, it's been a challenge to get it right in terms of quoting correctly and making sure you're making that profit margin it's it's taken us a couple of months to to realize that yeah we're not a van company anymore we've got this asset we've got this overhead yeah it's taken us a little bit of time but now we're there we're educating customers on why we are a certain price and so far i mean we've had a good busy summer so so far i can say it's going it's going really well We'll we'll see how the how the how the the months the years go by where we're standing. But we we applied for two HGVs in our operator's license, so that was my advice from a transport manager. He said apply for two because he said from the outset he says I can guarantee you you'll want another one soon. Again, that was sound advice because I would like another one. I was going to ask that question, but there was no need to because you already no, asked. I it. want another one. I want another one. I I maybe I've been looking at am I. <laughs> Again, it's because I, I love it. So I, I do genuinely love logistics and removals now so much that I do find myself, I've got spare time. If I'm not doing anything, I'll just have a little look now and again on <laughs> eBay or certain websites for like 12-ton daft trucks or whatever. But I'll maybe have to drop Richard Webster another message, see if I can have something in the pipeline. Yeah, give Richard an email. He was a great contact, again, yep. just through Tommy. And he's he's he really helped us out as well he's delivered a really good truck and it's it's been it's been amazing because i know it is a bit of a risk as well when you buy a secondhand truck yeah that can be expensive maintenance costs associated with them so it was a bit of a leap of faith but you know tommy said no richard trust him took that advice and it's it's paid off so yeah two guys good move have helped help us out massively i need to ask you mint box where's the name come from yeah, so as I mentioned in um, earlier on with the gym, mm. that was my name for the gym business. How did I come up with mint box? So a box in the fitness industry is quite often used to describe a CrossFit gym. So a CrossFit gym, everyone refers to it as the box. Right. And the mint, I just wanted to make it, I just wanted to pick a color to represent that box. And everything was going to be branded mint within that gym. And it was going to be that mint color. Yeah. That's where mint box came along. And yeah, it was, it was <laughs> mint box making fitness fresh. It just accidentally 
happen to be what I think is quite a good removals name as well. I love the fresh aspect. Yeah. Well, that was it. I think, you know, growing up in Edinburgh, until you get involved in removals, I don't think you notice removal companies as such, but as soon as you get involved, they're everywhere. Oh, you know, my God, I can't drive down the road without spotting. You spot them and you're like, wow, there's another big company, Cares Removals, Broughton yeah. Removals, yeah. Clockwork Removals. You know, in Edinburgh, where there's loads of great, big, great companies that you look up to and you're like, wow, yeah. that, that's, that's amazing. But going back to the removals industry as a whole, it's quite a, an old-fashioned, archaic business traditionally. You know, that horse and cart style sign written. It's always a family surname. Yeah, or an area of the town or the area within the town tends to be. So I remember thinking, okay, let's not call it Cran Removals or Queen's Ferry Removals. Let's let's go with this gym name that I've come up with and see if it works. And it just again, it just so happened that it fitted what we were trying to do. It kind of, I was hoping that it would convey that sort of freshness, trying to freshen up the, the removals industry, if you like. And it does, because the uniforms look great. The vehicle liveries look great. I encourage anybody to go and look at your website. Obviously, there'll be links on the episode notes. So do go and have a look at it. Your trucks do stand out. They look immaculate. Thank you. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. That is the aim. That was definitely the aim with the the branding and the, the uniform and the personnel we've got working with us. Definitely look fresh, that's for sure. I think I've aged somewhat in the five years I've been in. So my face, my, my haggard face probably doesn't look as fresh, but as long as the vans and trucks look good. <laughs> so what challenges have you had to overcome then, David? Yeah, so again, from day one, obviously getting involved in that accident where I shattered my kneecap, that was a bit of a setback. Awful start to the removals industry. COVID, I suppose, initially you could put down as a challenge. Although looking back, we were so new that I remember thinking, well, I'm not going to stop working. I need to keep on working here. Like, we're new to this. We need to keep on moving. And then the land registry for Scotland stopped. It, it actually stopped working. Therefore, all the solicitors stopped and all yep. the moving stopped. And it was at the start of COVID where people were panicking. There was a lot of hysteria. But then after two weeks, they'd got themselves set up from working from home. So land registry for Scotland got set up again so that moves could then be completed yeah and after that it was all hell broke loose i mean (laughs) i don't know about where you're based yourself but in edinburgh all hell broke loose yeah everybody wanted out of their tenement flat to a property with their own garden rural yeah out of the city center so we were inundated with inquiries just it was just get me out of here. Yeah. I'm living in a third floor flat. Nobody can press the buzzer because they're going to spread this COVID. We're moving. And again, I think they also brought in the, the tax relief, didn't they, for they a did. certain amount, which yeah. again, that, that massively encouraged a lot of moving after that. So that was actually a good time to be starting. I remember going into a solicitor's office when I first started I was hobbling along with my brace and my crutches and I was handing out flyers that I went into the solicitors <laughs> I wouldn't name them in, Ed- in Brunsfield in Edinburgh and I basically got laughed out of the office because they were like you've got crutches and a leg brace and you're advertising the removals <laughs> complete like, are, you, are you taking the piss 
But I remember, I remember kind of walking out in my tail between my legs. But then a year later, the same solicitors were calling me to ask, are you still moving yeah. people? Because yeah. customers are struggling to find removal companies. So it's funny how it went full circle. Absolutely. Yeah. But yeah, grow, growing the business has been, you know, anybody, I think anybody can start a business in the service industry in Edinburgh, especially anybody can start a service industry business, but growing it, growing it when there's staff involved, I think that's where the real challenges start. As soon as you've got employees that you need to find work for to keep them in jobs, I think that's where the stress starts. And then that's what pushes you to then grow your business ultimately because you're like, well, these guys want the work. Let's go find the work. Let's get more vans. Let's look into other options for growing the business and keeping more work coming in. And, you know, when you go down the route of storage, well, that creates more work, doesn't it? You're moving them in, you're moving them out. So it naturally organically grows. So with those challenges also come a lot of successes, which help organically grow the business. And I know it's only been five years. But if you could change anything from your moving past, apart from the accident in the first couple of weeks, what would yeah. it be? <laughs> don't drink. The big thing, I think, going back, and I remember, I think, listening to Courtney at Clockworks podcast, I think he said the same thing, and I remember resonating with that, was that it would have been amazing to have two years working for a big Edinburgh firm, like your CARES removals or your Broughton removals, Clockwork or GB liners or bishops and two years experience of being involved in a big firm doing everything properly from the outset that would have been a nice to have yeah because I came into it not knowing anyone in the industry not really knowing a great deal about remove I just thought I genuinely thought it was just moving boxes and a bit of furniture for me to be but there's so much more to it than that. There's so many different aspects. So if I had that experience, would I have had it any other way? Probably not. I mean, I've, learning the hard way is sometimes the best way because you don't tend to make the same mistakes twice. Yeah, exactly. It's also nice to learn on someone else's time. Maybe if I'd done the two years experience with a big company, I might have been put off. Whereas yeah. because I went in blind, I maybe didn't know what was coming, so I stuck at it. Yeah. So I don't know. But when I do see other companies, it's it's nice to see how they do things. And I see more of it now just purely because I'm better connected with other company owners and they're not shy to have you over for a coffee, show you how they run things. I was invited by CARES to hospitality to watch a football match. You know, they're very friendly. Other companies are so friendly and they always want to speak to you, find out how you're getting on and dare say help you whenever they can. You know, that side of things is probably what's kept me going if you like like at times when I thought is this for me when you have so many great companies around you willing to egg you on and encourage you it's quite nice having that as a backdrop we are a lovely industry yeah I think I genuinely think so (laughs) initially in my head I probably thought it was a bit like turf like ice cream wars turf war but I don't know why I thought that but it couldn't be further from the truth no it's a lovely industry to be in and it is one of those that once you're in it yeah, I remember Tommy touching that. It says if you dip your toes in very quickly, maybe after a couple of years, you might be like, nah, this isn't for me. But I think if you if you get to year five and you go down the route of HGV, I think you might be in it for a long time. Yeah, definitely. You're in for the long haul, Dave. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think so. I think so. Yeah, definitely. 
Well, I'm, I'm turning 34 soon. I just feel like this might be for me now. And that's taken <laughs> five years. And I've only just decided it might be for me. So what is your high point of being within the industry? Oh, yeah. Wow. So got loads of, loads of really good high points. I mean, I really do. I've been lucky that way. Some of the experiences and some of the people we've met. I would say I've, I've listed a few. I don't want to miss anyone out, but my, so I'm a, I was brought up in Aberdeen and for my sins, I'm an Aberdeen fan because my best mate at school, Marcus, his dad took the primary school football team and he was a big Aberdeen fan. So I became an Aberdeen fan because he used to, I used to stay at his on a Friday night, Mike Harrow, stayed at his on a Friday night on a Saturday morning, we'd get up at seven o'clock in the morning and we'd do a paper round. Me, Marcus, and Mike, Marcus's dad, we'd do this paper round in Aberdeen and then we'd go to football training. So I used to go on football training in my granny's knitted jumper and my <laughs> my patched work jeans and that's how I got into football. And it, it was contagious. I really liked football and I became an Aberdeen fan. And through moving, through the starting up the removals company, I've had the I've had the pleasure of moving several Aberdeen players from Aberdeen to other clubs that they've moved to. Nice. So we moved Scott Wright a couple of years ago. We moved Ryan Hedges down to Blackburn. We moved Ryan Christie from Celtic. We moved him to Bournemouth, Glasgow to Bournemouth. Yep. Those were highlights. Just being involved with that was great. Recently, this year was the Six Nations. I had the opportunity to work with the Ireland rugby team. Wow. So I basically got a call from the communications team to say, look, we need a company to help us move everything from the airport on arrival to the Balmoral Hotel, then from the Balmoral Hotel to Murrayfield for training day, the Saturday, hang around all day with the team, take stuff back to Balmoral Saturday evening, Sunday morning, take everything back from the Balmoral to Murrayfield for match day. And I was basically the kit man's assistant. So I'd gone from being, I'd gone from being driving a few bags from the airport. I mean, I can't begin to tell you when they rock up, the amount of stuff they have is frightening. Yeah, they bring their own bottled water, coffee beans, coffee machines, games consoles. They bring everything. So that was quite a unique experience, and it was good because. Over the course of the weekend, I got really close with some of the members from the who look after the sort of kit man, basically, and the whole logistical side of how that team, because they're number one in the world, so yeah. how they do things. The Netflix crew were following them around everywhere. They were trying to put little cameras in the back of the van, in the coach. So that was quite exciting. That was quite fascinating. And then at the end of that, they won their match, and they actually won the whole Six Nations, and they invited me over to Ireland for the, the final game against England and stuff. So they, they'll come to Edinburgh every two years and they, they, they've got my contact number. They WhatsApp me quite regularly and they said, look, when we're back in town, you'll be our go-to guy to Absolutely help us out again. That was, that, that was just an amazing experience and something yeah. that just worked really well. And, and I obviously went beyond the college. Like I was just there for them the whole weekend and I wanted to be the one to do it to represent the business. Yeah, And it just, I just really enjoyed it. That It wasn't work. It was just an awesome opportunity to showcase our brand name alongside the Ireland rugby team. I just thought they're world number ones. If we can associate ourselves to that, it just looks really good for business. Oh, absolutely. That's a wicked one. Yeah, no, it was really good. And then obviously 
the final high point is getting the truck. I felt when I'm driving around in that now, I feel, I feel like this is us. This is a proper removals outfit. You know, you're a little bit higher up on the road. You've got a little bit more size of the truck. It just feels like you're part of the big companies now a little bit. You yeah. just feel like you're the real deal. Yeah. For so for five years as in a van, you're driving about looking at other van companies, feeling part of it. But now we've got the truck. It just feels like we've completed the operation side of things. Good stuff. Good stuff. So what one thing would you change within the moving industry? Yeah, so not a great deal overall. Again, I've listened to previous podcasts. It's the same kind of things that come up. But interestingly, we moved a guy a couple of weeks ago who specializes in prop tech, property technology. And his company, they came up with a product over a year ago where it was AI to a certain degree. It was a checklist of things that if you're moving home, you log in and there's a checklist of everything that you need to get in order for moving home. Everything from the solicitor side of things, so have getting your missives concluded, signed and agreed, everything's transparent, everything's on this portal, and it's you know a percentage complete sort of thing. Yeah. And they've got the technology there. He reckons law firms, solicitors aren't keen to commit to the technology because there's too much money involved with the number of employees. And he used Edinburgh as an example. Edinburgh Law, University of Edinburgh, the students they take in every year tend to be foreign students. The money they pay in fees, the money they pay landlords in accommodation, to then work at a solicitor's firm, a law firm. It's a multi-million pound industry. And I think there's a lot of fear that when this technology comes in, it's going to have an impact on those positions. Yeah, that's what he reckons. He reckons that the technology is there to make the process of moving home on moving day a lot smoother, cleaner, faster, almost instant transaction yeah. yeah it's there the technology's there there's a lot of old dinosaurs holding on to the old ways of doing things too many far too yeah. many. yeah yeah there's a lot of that so i think one thing that you do want to see change will be that ultimately and it will eventually come in it will be the technology with making sure funds are transferred you know you could even go down to finer details like you could have a portal that everybody could log into you know the, the director of the removals company could log in and be like right okay the missus have concluded they have booked the removals company the cleaners are booked in the funds have transferred and you know on a wednesday you're looking at friday and you're thinking right they're 98 complete yeah this is going ahead you want to remove that on the day you get the call at four o'clock in the afternoon it's not going through today what next it's that last minute element which which is needless, I think. And ultimately, it then has an impact on businesses operating well. So, you know, you're having to say to the lads, sorry, guys, can you come and help us unload this into storage? And suddenly it's seven o'clock at night on a Friday and they've got plans with their partners or their family. That's what makes it hard. And it's rare, I have to say, it is rare, but it does happen. 
it does still happen now and again. And that would be the one thing. That, because I think society now, as much as possible, so everybody can spend time with friends, family, loved ones, you want to be working a nine till five, nine till six, Monday to Friday, wherever possible. Because if the lads want to play five-a-side football on a Tuesday night at seven o'clock, you can't stand in the way of that. No, and the removal industry isn't a nine-to-five industry, is it? No. Unless you're working no. in the office. Yeah, unless you're in the <laughs> office. And that's what, that's what we always say about solicitors. You know, it's, they're certainly nine-to-five. Well, I dare say there's a lot of work that goes on at home in the evenings when they're stressed, dealing with stuff. But being yeah. home is being home, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, ultimately. But yeah, that would be my, my main change, I guess. But I, I've not been in the industry long enough to to call out any other changes. I mean, I'm le- very much learning as I go on. So far, it's been very good to me, so it's difficult to complain. Well, the biggest complaints that we're, we're really yeah, looking no, for is just looking for change, changes. Yeah. I mean, as you said at the, at the beginning of it, it's the same as other people. It's probably the conveyancing. Is, it is archaic. It needs to change. Whether it will or not, I don't really know. Only time will tell. So what advice would you give yourself just starting out again? Look right and left when crossing the road. <laughs> would be a good start, Colin, I think. <laughs> Very good. Yeah, no, from the, from the outset, it would be connecting with other movers earlier. Probably took me two years at least before I started communicating to other movers. Social media has obviously speeded up that process. You know, you can message another company within a matter of seconds and suddenly you've got back and forth communications going on and it's great. Yeah. Probably more, I look back now and some of the sort of happiest memories were probably at the start. When you're starting a business, and my advice would be to anyone starting out in any business or any new adventure would be to enjoy the process. I think a lot when you're working early, you're thinking, oh, I need this, I need that. But Rome wasn't built in a day, as they say, and it does take a long time to get where you want to. And yeah. it's persevering through the dark days, the bad weeks, bad experiences. And my advice to myself back then would be try and just look further into the distance where you want to be and enjoy the process while you're doing it and know that you will get there eventually. But try not to stress about things that you can't control, I guess. This is very true. You say, obviously, social media has changed. It allows you to meet other people quickly. But what about face-to-face meetings with people? Do you get much opportunity for that? Yeah. So the face-to-face, I mean, the, the amount of times I'll be pulled up and I'll be having lunch in the van and another moving company will pop up and just say hello through the window. Or if you're at a storage location where several companies are operating out of, you'll always stop and chat. Probably for longer than you should, just because you get going and then suddenly it's all going off. Face-to-face with Tommy at Guardian, like I said, been to the football with the Cares lads, which is good face-to-face. Yeah, I mean, ultimately you can't beat face-to-face, but for the longer, for the companies that are based further afield, recently been added to WhatsApp groups with other companies of maybe three or four directors that yeah. just want to throw ideas off each other yeah. and sort of help and support get advice on little things. And it's, it's actually quite, it's quite a good um, way of dealing probably with your own stress because you're, you know, a problem shared is a problem halved quite a lot of the time. And it does give you an opportunity to vent out and get a bit of feedback. And if you're, you know, I think there's a lot of guys out there, probably like myself, who feel on their own a lot of the time and they think, 
am I doing the right thing? And I guess it's just getting reassurance that you are doing the right thing a lot of the time. Yeah. If you can just get a message saying, ah, Dave, you're, you're doing the right thing. It's looking good. It does help. It does make you feel good. Yeah. It's nice to be patted on the back as such. Yeah. Yeah. So where do you see yourself in the industry in the next five years? Yeah. Five-year plan. Wow. Yeah. I'll be approaching 40. Yeah. I'd like to go down the route of palletized storage. I'd like an industrial warehouse to operate from. That's the route I want to go. So, I mean, I'm always looking, I guess, Edinburgh as a market, it's a fantastic market in terms of there's a lot of moving, there's a lot of money in the city that gets circulated. So probably from the finance industry, it injects a lot of money into into the city. So service industries boom as a result. Yeah. And the move there's a lot of movement. So it's a good place to be based for a removals company. But because of that, it is also an extremely expensive place to be located. So if you you know if you're looking at leases for warehouses, it's very, very expensive. The leases, the rates, yeah. the outgoings, it's it's a big, big step. Again, similar to probably the decisions we had to make for the truck. I'll now need to reevaluate and think, right, this is what we want to go after. We'll need to get everything in place to go down that route. So yeah, warehouse palletized storage is definitely where we want to go. An additional truck would be nice. I'm looking at 12-ton trucks quite a lot. But if you look at my Google search history, it's removing moss from grass, weed killer, <laughs> and then, yeah, a lot of a lot of daft 12-ton trucks tend to be pretty boring searches. But yeah, a, another truck would be nice. But ultimately, yeah, we'll need to borrow more money. Come on, Mr. Webster, get that 12-ton truck to him. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it's um, you've just got to make it bite size. I think you've just got to have little little goals, and the months go by. Suddenly, a year's gone by, and you've you've achieved that goal. I didn't actually think I would get the truck this year. I thought it would take me a lot longer, but we ended up just going for it, and we've achieved it, and it's been a big success. So yeah, I think with this line of work, having a cash flow is ultimately so important and a good way of cash flow is storage isn't it so having that income it just helps you grow and expand as a business yeah along with the storage comes the office and then obviously yard space for the vehicles so it's all in one place isn't it so yeah that would be a a nice to have and i look at so many fantastic companies up and down the country that have that and it's yeah that's where you want to be that's definitely where you want to be definitely See any changes in the industry in the next five years? Yeah, I mean, I, I look at the trucks that Richard Webster operates, you know, where they've got the D-mount legs, yep. the containers. I'm very interested in that process. I like it a lot. I like the idea of having a the removal body, which is demountable, detachable, yep. and it gets placed in a storage location. So... For example, let's say we packed and loaded somebody today because they were waiting on their new build that was getting completed next week. And just a short term, instead of offloading it into storage crates or into containers, you just pulled up at the storage yard, demount, put the legs down, drove the truck off, 
and then went to collect another empty container for the next job. The idea that you could have a removals body with tie rails, removal straps, blankets, a toolbox, some lighting inside, and you only had maybe one or two trucks operating, but you had maybe 10, 15 of these removal bodies, that for me would be the way forward. You know, I can even imagine, let's say we had on the Friday, we had three moves to complete. Can you just imagine driving around on a Thursday morning at 6 a.m., delivering the removal's body yeah. to the address, driving off, go pick up another one, deliver it to an address, go pick up another one, deliver it to an address. And then, yeah, less trucks, more removal bodies, yeah. if you like. Yeah, yeah. I can see that being a, a successful way to run a removals business. And again, through social media, you can see companies operating like that. And there's several that follow in Australia and America that operate like that. And it, it seems to work really well. It does work. There are many companies in the UK that do it. Yeah. I've seen Tonks. I've seen Richard Webster's set up and it, yeah. it seems I'm envious, very envious. <laughs> I mean, maybe I should just stick to my truck he gave me just now before I start buying his demountable <laughs> ones. But yeah. Oh no, knowing Richard, he'll want you to buy his demountables as well. <laughs> <laughs> I'll drop him a message. So what do you do outside of the industry to switch off? So yeah, I've got my two kids, Charlie, who's four, Ella, who's two. They take up a lot of my free time. Good. And a laugh and a joke about removals being the easy way out in terms of whether it be childcare or removals, but <laughs> and it's certainly removals would be the easier option. But when I'm with Ellen Charlie, it is great. They're probably my main reason why you work so hard yep. to focus on the business, to grow it, to make sure it's a successful operation to provide for them. So they're a massive factor in my life. My hour and a half, two hours with them in the week is Sunday mornings. We go to Spartans football on a Sunday morning and they both play football for an hour. We go get lunch afterwards and that's really my time with them. Yeah. Emily, my wife, she gets a break. <laughs> Not much of a break, but she gets a break. And yeah, that's probably one of my things at the weekend I look forward to. Garden, I like, I like cutting grass. I've got a lawn at the back, lawn at the front, and I've, I've picked up a fairly unhealthy interest in grass care, lawn care, if you like. <laughs> I listen to Moving Matters, obviously, a lot. But I also listen to lawn care podcasts, which is probably a sign of where I'm going with my age. So, yeah, I've set up my, <laughs> my company. If I, was to, if I was to leave removals, I would set up Mintscape. <laughs> I like it. Or, or lawn enforcement, maybe. Yeah, I like that one, yeah, too. better. And I would just go around, sit down lawnmower, maybe a little cold can of beer at the front and just cut grass. That would be my sort of dream. Maybe that's my retirement job. <laughs> there you go, cutting grass. <laughs> and yeah, so kids, yeah, gardening, grow um, fruit and vegetable in the back garden, potatoes, cherry tomatoes, strawberries, raspberries, do a bit of that with the kids. They quite like that. Well, they probably don't like it. I, I quite like it and they kind of help me do it. <laughs> and yeah apart from that i'm fairly boring fairly boring ultimately if you're if you're running a removals company it does absorb a lot of the week's time oh god yes 
So which is why it's so important to find ways to enjoy it, which we do. We do definitely enjoy it. Like working days for the guys, it is enjoyable. There's absolutely no doubt about that. I, I wouldn't be doing it. I don't think if it wasn't such a good laugh being at work and being out there, being practical, speaking to people, meeting new customers every day. And the guys, we all bounce off each other. We've got a good working environment with the lads. Are you one of these nutters as well that will do a workout after a removal? No. So I am not one of those nutters. <laughs> I know those nutters. I am not one of those nutters. I am. No, I am. Work is enough physical exercise for me. And then it's kids. Who, To be fair, the kids are probably more of a workout than going to the gym. <laughs> I can't get my head around these people that go out and do a removal no, every day of the no. week, and at the end of each day, they still go to the gym. I'm like, what? Yeah, no, arrest them. Arrest them. Makes no unacceptable. sense. Unacceptable. <laughs> Absolutely unacceptable. No, it keeps you fit. It's a job. It's one of these jobs that you're on your feet all day. Yeah. Physical work, it keeps you fit. Fit as a butcher's dogs, yeah, as yeah. they say. So, yeah, that's enough for me. And finally, I like to end my podcast with a funny moving story. Do you have one or more to tell? I've got loads. Oh, hell. I've written down four different stories here, so I don't know how much time you want to give me on this. Go for it, David. Okay. So the first one I want to get off my chest because I, I want to find out who called me. My first year of operating, I got a call to move a 14-foot sea kayak right. from Port Edgar Marina. So if you're listening to this and this is you, they called me. It was on April Fool's Day. It was the morning of April Fool's, 1st of April. I got this call. And, you know, at the time, it was my first year. So anybody that called, I took the inquiry very seriously, <laughs> diligently. And I said, yes, I can be down at Port Edgar. I'll be there within the hour to move this sea kayak. And they said, yeah, oh, that's great. It'll just be down next to the, the public toilets as you come in the car park. I've got the sea kayak there. We want to take it to Cramond. I got there. And there was a note saying, April Fools, you idiot. No. Dot, dot, dot. I actually didn't say idiot. It said another word. But I'll go idiot, dot, dot, dot. So, yeah, I want to know who did that. That was, um, that was a practical joke. I wonder if it was another removals company. Come on, Courtney, pick up that phone. Yeah. Clark, 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 Clark. Who was it? Somebody did it. So there you go. That was, uh, that was welcome to the removals industry. Wow. I've got others. We moved, again, this was my first year. We got a call from an Irish comedian, <laughs> a famous Irish comedian. I didn't know he was famous at the time. It was just a, it was an Irish accent on the phone. He called me up and he said, I'm not going to try his accent, but he said, David, I've been given your number. I'm looking to move. And I said, excellent. Let's get you booked in for a survey. I'll come around in person. I had no work at the time, so I had all the time in the world. So I thought, we'll do this property. I'll come over. And he says, oh, no, no need for that. Just come over now. We're going to crack on with the move just now. <laughs> and I thought, wow, who is this guy? I didn't have anything on. So me and my, my colleague Charlie at the time, we went over to an address. It was an art studio in central Edinburgh. And at, the, at this time, I, I just it was an Irish accent. It was a customer's name. He told me his first name, so I didn't know, didn't know who it was. It was just a job. Yeah. And we, we eventually found this guy in this art studio, on his hands and knees, scurrying around the floor, looking for something. 
and I knocked on the door and said, hi there, it's David from Mintbox, we're here to help you move. And he got the fright of his life, he looked around and he was, he was panicking, he was thinking, well, what's going on here? And it was all very confusing. But anyway, you did realise that he did call me and it was chaos. Artwork, books, stuff everywhere. I actually emailed him before the podcast because I said, look, I'm going on this podcast. Is it okay if I share this story? <laughs> and he said straight away, he says, yes, David, no problem. So the guy was Dylan Moran. <laughs> from Black Books, he was in Notting Hill, Shaun of the Dead. Uh, and so I saw I saw him on the floor looking up at me, and I was like, "You know those moments where you're just like, is this actually happening? <laughs> Real?" Brilliant. So yeah, that was my introduction to Dylan Moran. So we spent the <laughs> afternoon with Dylan in his art studio, packing up all his artwork and his books. And then and then, but he's a, he's a funny guy. He's a, obviously he's a funny guy. He's a comedian, but he was um. About halfway through, he kind of turned to us and he was, um, he then started questioning whether we were policemen. He was almost like he was trying to work out what the hell was going on in this room. It was funny. But we packed him up and he's still a client today. We've, we've moved him several times. Brilliant. He's, he's one of these guys. He's always quite last minute, but we get there in the end with Dylan. But yeah, he's been a client from early on and it's just, he's just, we've, he's just stuck by us. We've stuck by him. So we've moved him several times now. So that was good. Superb. Another funny story. It's one that we always howl at, was we did a move from Kirkliston up to Glencoe in the Highlands, and it is a story about hoarders. <laughs> These guys just had so much stuff. Now, my, our policy on attics, for example, has changed a lot since this incident. <laughs> because they downsized from a four bed to a three bed for starters. They already had too much stuff for a four bed anyway. But the lad working for us at the time was a lad called Ross Lamont. Hilarious guy. Very funny. Always a centre of jokes. Always a centre of laughter. But he happened to be the smallest guy working for us at the time. And the customer asked us, look, I've got this much stuff. Do you mind helping me put it into the attic? And I remember thinking, hmm, I popped my head up into this attic and there was no lighting. It was just insulation. <laughs> so I said to him, I said, look, I know how roofs work with joists, but I'm not fitting up there. You're not clearly going to fit up there. You've got all this stuff. It was getting to the point where we couldn't get more stuff into the rooms because it was overflowing with stuff. And he was adamant, look, I need this stuff in the attic. Please, just by all means, I'll, I'll pay more. It wasn't, that wasn't the problem. It was, I just need this to go somewhere. So poor Ross volunteered <laughs> now ross didn't know the way roofs worked oh. and i remember saying to him ross because you couldn't see the joists because the insulation was in the glencoes and the highlands it obviously put loads of insulation down to keep the heat in and i remember saying to him ross whatever you do don't fall through the roof <laughs> keep your feet on these wooden joists and hopefully we'll all get out of here okay Anyway, more and more stuff kept on coming up to him. He was going to the end of the roof, putting stuff down, coming back, getting more, coming back, getting more. And you know it's like in an attic, it's boiling hot. Absolutely. He very quickly became disorientated. Anyway, he was shifting stuff. And I was in the bedroom below with the customer. And I was actually putting a bed together at the time for one of the kids. And the dad was there as well. And we were just talking away. 
and then it happened. <laughs> Poor Ross fell through the roof. Leg, just a big sort of like all the plaster, all the pain, all the dust just plumed through the room. Two legs hanging out through the roof of this bedroom, dust everywhere. And I remember just looking at the customer saying, I told you so. It was one of those <laughs> moments of clarity. It was like, I told you to chuck this stuff. Like, this is what, and poor Ross was hanging through the roof, legs through the roof, dust everywhere, paint everywhere, plasterboard hanging off, absolute chaos. So attic policy is very important. And I, I'm, not, I'm not scared to tell customers that exact story just to let them know, unless it's well lit with flooring, space to operate, it's not happening. <laughs> Unless you want your roof to fall through. Oh dear. It's like a scene from Only Fools and Horses. It was, it was. And yeah, <laughs> I'm a big fan of Only Fools and Horses and it wasn't too dissimilar to a Rodney <laughs> and Delboy scene. <laughs> Brilliant. Oh dear. You got one more, that fourth one? We've got um, Rod Petrie. We, this guy, we were driving along George Street in Edinburgh and it was a day where we were back and forth, a bit of chaotic centre of Edinburgh, driving down George Street. And Charlie, who was in the passenger seat, he pointed out it was a good-looking girl walking into a Rock's jeweler's shop. So I turned my head. Next thing I knew it, I looked forward. There was a Mercedes car parked in the middle of the road, and I slammed my brakes on. The van slid. I couldn't control it. It was just sliding because the road was wet. And we just bumped into the back of this car. And I remember heart just sank. It just had that moment where just heart sank, the door opened, and this guy steps out. And I remember thinking, oh, I don't know who this is, but this does not look good. He looks like the chief commissioner of Scotland for the police. Or he had this moustache, stocky, grey hair. And I remember thinking, right, this is it. This is over. I'm in a lot of trouble here. And it was Rod Petrie, who was the chief executive of Hibernian Football Club at the time. <laughs> I was like, oh, my day is just getting worse. This is not good. So I stepped out. We exchanged details. And he was really good with me, actually. He was really good. We got it all sorted out. But he called me up and he said, look, this is what I'm getting quote. I've had several quotes. This is what it's going to cost. It wasn't a great amount. It was a little in debt on the back of his Mercedes bumper. And I thought nothing of it. And then I got a call three months later from Rod Petrie. He was moving home. And I was just laughing. Wow. I was like, Rod, you really want me to move you home after crashing into the back of you on George Street? This is really happening. And he was like, yeah, seemed like a, a decent guy. Will you help me move home? <laughs> I was laughing. So I made the quote <laughs> the exact same number as the cost it was to fix the bumper. <laughs> to basically get my money back. And yeah, oh, that day is, well, the day we moved him, something came up where I had to send the guy who was meant to be working with me to this installation for a, a staging company. So long story short, me and Rod moved Rod. <laughs> and he lived on the eighth floor of a, an apartment in New Haven. And he had this sofa, three-seater sofa that wouldn't fit in the lift. And if you know this guy, he's quite a stocky guy. He's maybe early 60s. Me and Rod Petrie, the chief executive of Hibs, manoeuvred this three-seater sofa down eight flights of stairs. Oh, my word. And he was 
shirt was burst open, <laughs> sweat was dripping down his face, buttons popped out, the mess of us both at the bottom. I remember just looking at him and back even then he was deadly serious with everything he said. He says, David, sometimes you just have to persevere. <laughs> I've never, never forgot, never ever forget him saying that. <laughs> but he was good with me. He was really good. He was um, from a similar part of Aberdeen, similar upbringing to myself. So he he was he was really good with me, and he told me things to help me with my business. And he's been a good point of contact as well. So basically, funny stories, but ultimately, you make yeah. good relationships, which actually carry yeah. with you a lot of weight later on in life. Because when Definitely. you're trying to work things out, trying to grow your business these experiences you look back and you think well that was really important to me and it stood me in really good stead for going forward brilliant well david it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you today and i really, yeah, I really appreciate enjoyed you giving it. up your time thanks for having me on colin it's been great i'm sure your kids will be dying to get their dad back any minute now <laughs> yeah make sure you feed them full of ice cream <laughs> i'm gonna have to go get ice creams for them or something i'm gonna have to make it up to them David, thank you very much indeed. I sincerely hope you enjoyed episode 74 of Moving Matters. Please rate, review and subscribe in your favourite podcast player of choice and please tell your industry colleagues about Moving Matters. My thanks and appreciation go to David Cran of Mintbox Removals for giving up his time to record this episode. Thank you again, David. If you would like to know more about Mintbox Removals and the services they provide, then you will find links within the show notes for this episode and on our webpage, movingmatterspodcast.co.uk. And please, if you have a funny moving story that could be relayed to our listeners or you would like to be a guest on the podcast, then do reach out to me by completing the contact form on our webpage, movingmatterspodcast.co.uk. Well, that is all from me, so until next time, keep moving.